Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Morning, folks. Welcome to the program. It's Wednesday, the 18th of January. Thanks for your company on SEN 1170 AM here in Sydney, wherever you're tuning in via the SEN app. Of course, you can have your say anytime, as you know, 0457 736 736 is the text line. I reckon it's going to get whirring today, that text line here in the studio. And 1300 01 1170 is my open line if you'd like to join us anytime. We'll start with the forecast for Sydney today, sunny. In fact, it's going to be hot today and then a change. So a late shower and a thunderstorm possibly on the radar later on this evening. Just seems like a, a good old summer's day. It's going to get really hot, then it'll get wet and nasty later on, and then the temperature will drop tomorrow. So a top of 30 degrees today. It's been a while since we've actually hit 30 degrees in Sydney town, over 330 days, they're saying. So it's been quite a while. It will drop, though, tomorrow, like I say, by 7 degrees. So 23 is the forecast for tomorrow with showers easing. So it will be a hot one in Sydney town today. Right, let's get this hot topic underway because it was kicked off this morning with Julian King and Michael Carianis. We've been talking about it for the last couple of days and it continues on again this morning, the NRL versus the players in the collective bargaining agreement battle. So what's next? Where are we at now? Nothing's really changed, but another public push by the players this morning. So they've made it very clear that this is a collective agreement on their behalf to try and fight this a little bit more publicly. So we've heard from Kurt Capewell throughout the week, plenty of social media, Chad Townsend's been active on that and Wade Graham, along the way and he's had a say this morning but it hasn't hit the mark with you with the fans and this is a little bit of a concern so let's dig through this and then I want to get your thoughts on it Wade Graham this morning on SEN Breakfast was asked uh, a number of questions about where they're at what's happening next what are the sticking points so let's work our way through these first up the sticking points between the RLPA the Rugby League Players Association and the NRL it's hard to go line by line. Like the CBA is a lot of like one one thing would be like a transfer window, which sort of takes away different aspects of, of, of rights. I'm not saying that the current system we have with contracting and player movement is, is the is the best system, but certainly something that needs to be looked at, you know, with the NRL and the RPA working together and that the way it's proposed at the moment isn't anywhere near that. So there's one example, but like they go line by line through the whole thing. It's it's a it's a pretty deep document to be like it's it's all our terms and conditions. Yeah, which is fair enough. Which is fair enough. I mean, it is a detailed document, and there are many layers to this one. But when you're in the public eye, and you're trying to get this across to the public to get them on your side, you've got to narrow it down, not dumb it down, but narrow it down. And it's a little bit confusing. So we've got to go deeper into this. Asked if the start of the comp could be under threat. Will the start of the NRL competition be under threat? It's what, 40-odd days away now, seven weeks away or six weeks away. If strike action is a consideration, here's the response from Wade Graham this morning. Oh, I don't think so. Like the game's 
mate, the games are there. The, the players are getting ready. The, we're all training at our clubs, individual clubs respectively, to prepare for another season in the NRL. That's it, it, quite drastic to think games would be under threat at this stage. Over the last week, it certainly caused enough waves and ripples effects to show the NRL and, and the players, you know, we're, we're quite a distance apart still and we need to get back in the room and, and get back to the table and try and iron out these creases because, you know, we, we do understand it hurts everyone, but it's important that we hold the line and, you know, the decision's been made by the players as a collective. So this is this is the path, you know, we want to stand on and this is the line we want to fight for. Um, yeah, this is where we're at. Okay, a couple of things there. No, he says. I don't think so. That's drastic action. The strike threat would be drastic action. So, uh, in my opinion, I think you go the other way. If you're going to fight, you go out there with the biggest thing that you've got, which is strike action. So, at least we're clear on that from Wade this morning. No, I don't think so. It's it's drastic action. But this is the line that we're taking. The the line that we've decided to take is this action of not fronting up for NRL media. And like I said the other day, I hardly think that walking down and saying to a photographer that I'm not going to be there for headshots is going to cause a really big ripple. It may start a little thing, but this is where we're at at the moment. So that's two points done. What about the relationship between the players and the NRL itself? The boys this morning asked Wade Graham if that's as bad as he's seen in the time. One of the most experienced players in the league. I'm unsure what they're thinking, to be honest. Like Every meeting that I've been in with the NRL, and I've been in quite a few, I feel like they seem to be positive and we seem to be tracking in the right direction and all the right words are said uh, but then when it comes to a document being sent across, it just never seems to marry up with what's said in the room, so that's where the frustration sort of kicks in and, you know, when we explain that back to, you know, the player delegates and player leaders and, you know, the other you know, the, the, the whole whole group when you explain that back, that the words that are being said are different to the you know, the documents of the actions being taken, well, that's where the frustration begins to grow. And that's why I started to see a lot more players become actively involved. So the relationship's pretty bad. If what they're saying in the meetings is very different to what uh, Wade Graham is saying, the NRL is then saying publicly, the relationship's pretty bad. There would be zero trust in this, the way that it's playing out. So you've got to start to dig deeper. Ultimate respect for Wade Graham. And good on him for jumping on the program this morning. But do you know what the players stand for? There's a whole list of grievances that are there. Very detailed document. It's hard for somebody like Wade to just put into a snapshot right here on a breakfast program. So we're asking a lot. But do you know what the players stand for in this one? Is the action that they're taking and the argument they're putting up enough to get you on their side? Because this is a two-sided debate. This is us versus them. Make no mistake, have the players convinced you here? Because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to put pressure on the NRL. We're saying we're not going to be part of NRL media. We're going to take this action. We're sorry, guys, we're not going to do what you want us to do to help promote the game and quite possibly not be at the season launch. They're trying to convince you, the fans, to be on their side and put pressure on the NRL. The back and forth of negotiations happens every day in business. It's happening right now in a very public game. So let me know, have the players convinced you? And I've got another question for you in just a sec, which is the ultimate question in this one. But first up, the flip side. Have you heard from the NRL in this? No. Why? Because they don't have to say anything. They threw the biggest grenade they had before Christmas, which was, guess what? We're going to publicly announce an increase in the salary cap. 
So they lobbed that out there and they landed it on the front page of the paper, which put them in the box seat of this argument. So we haven't heard anything from the NRL. Last night on Sports Day, Ricky Stewart had this to say about the NRL administration. I've got all the faith in the world in Peter and um, Andrew running the game. I really do. I mean, they, um, uh, if it wasn't for, wasn't for Peter, uh, I don't know where we'd be because we were going broke. Mm. I, I don't know how they've done it, but now, now they're paying out millions and millions of dollars. We're, we're flush, or when I say flush, we're a lot healthier than where we were before COVID. Fortunately, now we're a lot healthier from a financial point of view. So, you know, we can't forget that. But mm. I understand players have got uh, uh, their gripes and, and rights and they'll fight for that. So Ricky's spot on here too. I mean, let, let's go back a little bit, which is what he's done there. The, the game would not have survived if Peter Volandis had not done what was needed to do at the time. The joint was broke. There was nothing in the bottom drawer and they realised that when COVID came around and the nest egg that was the TV money was about to go. So they saved the game. They absolutely saved the game and they should be given credit for that. But this is a different scenario now. So Peter Volandis and Andrew Abdo can run the game, but they can't play the game. They can't make the game happen. There's really only one way that happens, and that's the players. So this is what I've been saying, and I don't want it to get this far. Nobody does. But what have they got? What have they got in this argument, in this fight? They've got a strike. They've got strike action. They can take the one thing away that will stop the game completely and put this argument front and centre, whether you like it or not. And that is, the game doesn't happen without the players. So that's the end road on this one. So let me ask you this question. I mean, it's going to go back and forth. We'll hear from all sides over the course of the next few days. I don't think the players association are going through it the best way that they can. They're trying to, and they're trying not to get you offside and good on them. I think they're doing the right thing, the way that they're trying to do it, but perhaps they could be a little bit more aggressive and certainly they could be clearer in what they're trying to get across. But would you back a player's strike? Would you be up for a player's strike in this scenario? If you knew all the details, if they came out and said, this is what we're standing for and we're prepared to put everything on the line on this one because it means this much to us, that we're going to have to strike. There's no other way. We're not getting through. We're going to meetings according to them and what we're talking about is coming out differently. So we've had enough. Had enough is we need to stop. So would you back a strike? Let's hope to heck it doesn't get that far. But just let me know this morning, yes or no? And why? 0457 736 736 is the text line. or 1300 01 1170 is the open line number. As uh, Michael Carianas broke the news this morning around the Dragons, can't take a trick at the moment. So injury dramas for Jaden Sullivan, a hamstring tear puts him out for what, six weeks? The season starts for the Dragons actually starts in seven weeks because they've got the bye. So their season starts in round two, which will be seven weeks this Sunday. Junior Amon is in court today. So who plays in the halves for St. George Illawarra, Moses Mbai and Jack Bird possibly? I mean, it just adds a little bit of intrigue to the dramas at the Dragons before the season even starts. If you've got any thoughts around that, who would be the best halves combination if Jaden Sullivan isn't there, I mean, it was box seat stuff. you got to feel for him if he's 
torn the hamstring, is going to be in rehab for the next six weeks and misses that golden opportunity to take that position. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Tennis Australian Open. So key results from yesterday, day two. Well, Novak Djokovic, while we were on air yesterday, we were, oh, the rumours were swirling, weren't they, folks, that Novak might be pulling out. Talk about hamstrings because there was some weirdness going on with the betting and it appeared to just suggest that Novak was going to pull the plug. Brett Phillips down there at Melbourne Park said, yep, the rumours were swirling around there, but no dramas whatsoever. It, I think at the end of the day, it was the fact that he was so short <laughs> against Roberto Carbeas Baena and the way that he dispatched of him last night showed there ain't no problems with Novak Djokovic at this early stage. So the nine-time champ goes through. So too does Andy Murray. Boy, oh boy, is that guy made of the right stuff or what? I mean, does he just get up in the morning and drink concrete? He's incredible. Matteo Berrettini, he beat him in a five-set match, goes four hours and 49 minutes. Andy Murray gets rid of the number 13 seed. On the women's side, number two seed, Ons Jabur won her opening match in three sets. For the Aussies on day two, Kimberly Birrell, just as we got off air yesterday around midday, so she was in a bit of a bit of a fight, and she goes through into round two. So congratulations to her and Alex Demonor, who should surely be the most favourite Australian now left or down there at Melbourne Park. No Nick Curiosa, no Headline Act, no Ash Barty. We know she's retired. The Demon is something very special. Losses yesterday for Jamie Fawless, Christopher O'Connell, Jordan Thompson as well, and reschedule matches today for three Aussies, which I'll get to in just a sec. So round two gets underway with some hangovers from round one that didn't get completed yesterday. Uh, on Rod Laver Arena, the day session will be Iga Sviontek, the number one seed, followed by Jess Pagula, the number three seed on the women's side. And then later on this afternoon, it'll be Rafa against Mackenzie McDonald from the USA. The night session tonight on Rod Laver Arena, Emma Raducanu against Coco Goff. That'll be a big one. And how's this for a late-nighter? Stefano Tsitsipas against Rinky Hidjikata. So the number three seed against one of six Australians in action today. So Rinky will be later on this evening. Also in action, John Milman has Daniil Medvedev today. Olivia Gadecki through to the second round. Jason Kubler also in his second round match. So we've got four Aussies playing round two matches and then three Aussies completing their round ones from yesterday. A weird day yesterday where they stopped because of the heat rule. They, they enforced um, the heat rule down there and then some rain got them into it as well. Thanasi Kokonakis against Fabio Fognini. So he will continue that match. Um, Kokonakis is two sets up. He leads 4-2 in the third. So that'll resume today. So too, Alexander Vukic against Brandon Holt. They're tied at one all with Holt leading 4-2 in the third. And Max Purcell, that match also dispended, uh, suspended because of rain. It's 2-1 to Rusevori. Uh, his finish opponent, and the scores are tied at six all in the fourth set. Cricket, did you catch this last night in Coffs Harbour? Look out, folks. Steve Smith, he's back. And boy, was it fantastic. Now, he was in great form at the SCG on Sunday night uh, and ended up going for around 36, I think it was, off memory. Well, last night, he got his first ton and the first ever ton by a Sydney Sixers player in Big Bash history. 101 off 56 balls. Oh, well, Harry Conway can count himself unlucky. The one that doesn't remove the bails. And then Steve Smith striking that short boundary. Oh, hammered. 
over to the leg side. There was some disdain in that shot from Smith as he connects with that one. That's a help yourself delivery. Help it on its way over to the boundary once again, about 15 rows back. He does go for it. The ball of the over. And he connects and it's a six to take Steve Smith to a fabulous hundred. His second game back in BBL 12. A man on a mission. Yeah, it's good fun. Obviously, um, starting with the batting, that was it was nice out there. Uh, it was a nice wicket. Um, got a good partnership there with uh, Curtis. He played really nicely, and um, yeah, the boys played. Had a polished performance in the field, so it was a really good night. And the captain apologises. He reckons he's robbed you of about 20, 30 runs out there. Yeah, I was, I was pretty much going to try and hit every ball for six from <laughs> then on in when I got out. So um, he was aware of that. I think he tried to send me back. So I was on strike, but um, now nah, that happens. But um, it was a good total, and uh, the boys defended it really nicely. Yeah. Yeah, he was run out there on 101. Moses Enriques came to the crease and they had a mix-up and he was run out. It's funny what he just said because I was watching it at home and I said to my wife, he's going to try and hit everything for six here. After, the, after he got his century, it was quite a show. If you had a ticket last night up there at Coffs Harbour to watch the BBL, you'll remember that for a long, long time. So the Big Bash League and everything that they did to get players like Steve Smith back into the fold for the first time in three seasons has paid off big time. Congratulations to him. Tonight, the Perth Scorchers have the Hobart Hurricanes. So that's second. Uh, well, they should be first against the fifth-place Hobart Hurricanes at Optus Stadium. Got a fair bit to get through this morning, including the news out of racing yesterday that Tommy Berry has been banned for a year. I'll get to the details around that and your opinions around just how much information jockeys can give out and where they can give it. I mean... We have jockeys on this program, and at the end of it, we say to him, mate, you got a ride today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, you know, Charlie's Choice in the third. I like that. Is that considered a tip, and how does that play out? Well, it hasn't played out well at all for Tommy Berry. He will be out for a year. He's going to appeal the charge. I'll take you through the details. And yesterday was at the end for Tom Brady. So the Buccaneers got sent packing out of the... Uh, wild card round of the NFL. Dallas beat them 31 to 14. The Cowboys now play the 49ers on Monday. So the Buccaneers season is over. What next for Tom Brady? I'll play you some audio from Tom's farewell from that match. And probably to me anyway, the old conspiracy theorist gives me a heads up to say that he's ready to go into his media. His half a billion media, uh, half a billion dollar media contract. It's 22 minutes after nine o'clock. 0457 736 736. As you can see, we've got a lot to talk about. But I just want to know this morning if they got to the end of the road in this players versus headquarters debate in the NRL and the end of the road is a player strike. Let's hope not. But if that's the end of the road, would you back the players in this one or are you backing headquarters? Let me know your thoughts. Uh, on the text line, Grant says, uh, Happy New Year, fellas. I see the Heat v Stars. Big Bash game easily outrated the Australian Open tennis on TV. Big result for seven and the cricket. Um, yes and no, Grant. You can read what you want into that. But there's a report uh, today on the Daily Telly website that uh, points out that Monday night's match, so Monday night, Heat v Stars, as you say, is a combined 612,000 on Fox Cricket and Channel 7. So combined over the two networks, smashing the 493 fans tuning into the tennis on Channel 9. So no word of Channel 9's 9 Now coverage or what's on Stan as well, but that's a combined coverage of Fox and 7 of 612 versus 493. So what's that, 100 and a bit? 
um, difference. So I reckon the devil's in the detail on that one. There's no doubt that they're getting good numbers for Big Bash. Um, but a lot of that is to try and make sure that you're seeing <laughs> what you're seeing and what you're reading is, ah, this is doomsday scenario. Ah, don't watch because the world's falling apart at tennis. The reality is a little bit different to that. So um, the numbers, I think out of all of that, Grant, I think what you can really take and forget the us versus them because there's a lot of political stuff at play in that. But the numbers for the big bash league are the ones that you need to look at. They're the ones that have been on the up. I mean, it's very easy to say a combined number across two networks is bigger than one network's um, show of the tennis on Monday night. But the numbers at Big Bash League are on the up after being down for quite a few years. So that, to me, is the key out of all of this, that there's been a shot in the arm for the BBL. And obviously, they've got themselves a new cricket deal. They've managed to reduce the number of uh, BBL matches over the course of the next few seasons, which everybody's been screaming out for. So finally, finally, they're starting to get the rewards um, of listening to what people want. And also take a look at what happened last night. Steve Smith back in action. And a lot of those kids that would have gone there last night at Coffs Harbour were there to see Steve Smith and he delivered with a century. So take what you want into the numbers, but um, across the board, well, put it this way. Across the board, we're all watching sport <laughs> and we're all talking about sport. I'll get to your texts in just a sec. You can have your say too, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. as we continue to weave our way through this debate of players v NRL headquarters. I just get the feeling that if the RLPA want to ramp it up, they're missing the mark. They're throwing out um, lots of words, but really not throwing out enough darts to hit the dartboard and get you on side. And I'd like to know what you think about it. Here's the news break first. It sure is. So day three of the Australian Open getting underway this morning. Let's do an open update. Thanks to Kia. The all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar is landing soon. Brett Phillips joins us on the line. Morning, BP. A lot to get through today, but let's start with yesterday. When we were chatting yesterday, there was a, a little bit of a rumour swirling around that perhaps Novak Djokovic was ready to pull out. No dramas, though. He dispatched no. Roberto Carbeas Baena, so there's nothing wrong with that hamstring. No, he looked all right, uh, Matt. Obviously, we were keeping a very close eye. And look, the second set uh, certainly ramped up a bit. Uh, Bayana really dug in. I mean, these two have actually practiced quite a bit uh, when uh, Djokovic spends time in Spain. So he knew the Spaniards' game. And you sort of look at this guy, I think he could be certainly, you know, a top 100 player. And he, you know, started throwing a couple of drop shots and he had sort of Djokovic on the run. But yeah, it was pretty clinical from uh, Novak last night. It looked sound enough, obviously, you know, you didn't feel like he was going at absolute full tilt. I mean, these guys know how to pace themselves so well through seven matches of a slam. But, yeah, did what he did. First box uh, ticked, and obviously it'll just be a, a continued watch for Novak over the next mm. fortnight. What about Andy Murray? He did what he does, which is fight deep and, and go the distance. A five-set thriller against Berrettini, who's no pushover by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he just keeps coming at them, Andy Murray. That's it. Never underestimate the wily old fox. A 35-year-old man. What a performance. It was the story of the day, really. I mean, you know, the standing ovation lasted some time on Rod Laver Arena. Uh, I think we even saw just a sm I think his lips moved. Ivan Lendl, uh, just sitting there. <laughs> I don't know if we'd call it a grin or just a little smirk, but he was pretty happy. And Mum Judy, proud of her son that, you know, it was uh, four years ago, given a huge farewell. And 
Here's Matteo Berrettini at the other end, thinking, I'm 10 years younger. Surely I can get my act together and do what I do best, the one-two punch, the big serve, the big forehand. But Andy just kept defending, and then he's so tactically smart. You know, whether he's hitting spots on serve, he just uses all corners of the court. He's always been a really intelligent tennis player, Murray. And, yes, the body is... uh, yeah, it's hanging by a thread. I think I heard that artificial hip sort of clicking at one stage and it was the slowest walk back to the locker room you've seen. He could hardly get out of his chair to do the on-court interview. So uh, that may benefit Thanasi Kokonakis, who was in blistering form until his match got rained out last night. And he'll come back and close out uh, Fabio Fanini, who I'd... Uh, uh, I don't like to use the word, uh, Matt, but he was absolutely tanking last night, uh, Fabio. He didn't want to be there. Uh, with the rain coming in to Kia Arena. So, yeah, Kokonakis uh, looks good. He's got the eye of the tiger, a weary Murray in round two. Maybe a little run for Thanasi. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Kim Birrell. So, um, when we spoke yesterday, she was getting ready to play Kaya Kanepi, who's been around forever, and she comes from one set down to beat Kaya Kanepi in the Australian Open. What's what's the Kim Birrell story? Yeah, well, Kim, uh, a Gold Coast girl, tennis family. I think the, the tennis, uh, uh, they have a tennis centre there on the Gold Coast. And, you know, like a lot, I mean, Queensland sort of reduced that production line of Hon, Cabrera, uh, Birrell. You know, they're training great conditions up at the NTC there in Brisbane. But Kim, you know, she made a third round back in 2019. In between, she had the really bad elbow injury, which kept her out for 12 to 18 months. So she sort of had the injury curse. But every time I've watched her, I thought, you are absolutely more than capable. And anyone you talk to in women's tennis will just tell you, if these girls could just get the self-belief that they actually uh, believe they can play at a high level, not be just content with, hey, I want want a round at the Australian Open. How good's that? Raising the bar a little bit more and and actually believing they can uh, take down these sort of players. And Kim just got into a beautiful ball-striking uh, mode yesterday, feeding off the pace because Kanepi, you know, she's just <laughs> hitting brutal returns at you all the time. Kim redirected, fed off that pace, went to work, and that crowd on Kia Arena got in her pocket and yeah, it was a brilliant performance. But we don't want her to be content with that, Matt. Mm. I, I see some rain falling on uh, the Nines uh, coverage this morning and their reporters down there. So we might have one of those days where it's on and off. But I'll tell you what, we're going to have a huge day in terms of the Australians. So we've got six Aussies in action, three that will complete their round one matches, Kokonakis, Vukic and Purcell. But how's this for... <laughs> what about Rinky Hijikata tonight against Sitsipas and John Milman today against Daniil Medvedev? I mean, they are two huge games at this early stage. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And and throw in Jason Kubler uh, as well on John Kane Arena. So they're all going to be playing... They could be all playing at the same time tonight, which... Uh, Will be interesting. We'll flip around everywhere on the radio, and we might um, yeah start with Coops. Uh, I mean, being the highest ranked, and I think he's got the most winnable. I mean, he can he can beat Hutchinov. I mean, Hutchinov hasn't got a plan B. It's big serve, big forehand, and Jason just brings all the nuances uh, that are needed on the tennis court. Milman, I mean, how's he going to recover from two days ago? Medvedev, you know, can be in such a ruthless mood in the opening game and get an early break. So John will need to be on. And for Rinky, great opportunity. Uh, certainly sits he past the favourite. But if he brings that energy, they've rolled out the red carpet from court eight and said, you, uh, young man, have earned a spot inside Rod Laver Arena. And I think he's got the game that can, you know, certainly trouble Sitsi Pass. Took a set off Nadal at Flushing Meadows last year. And Olivia Kadecki will be out there, you know, weather permitting, later in the day. 
I wouldn't say it's a, a match she couldn't win against Marta Kostiuk. Good player from Ukraine. And then, yeah, Kokonaka should sign off. Vukic and Purcell, yeah, matches delicately poised. Uh, depending on the weather, which we're told is going to hang around probably to about mid-afternoon, Matt. So it could be another long night. Okay. Uh, gee, it was good to see Ash Barty on court this morning hitting up with the First Nations <laughs> ball kids. It was so great. It must be... It must be a weird but extraordinarily good feeling to come back to something that you've obviously know yeah. very well and and won last year, but have none of that pressure. It must be a really interesting time for Ash. Yeah, what a, what a what a great part of her life. I mean, you know, she's pregnant. She's been uh, married in the last twelve months, so she signed off on one chapter of her life that she said tennis will never define me. And I mean, she's still going to play a part. It was announced earlier this week that her, you know, her old coach Craig Tizer and another old coach in Jason Stoltenberg, who's sort of been pushed out of the uh, the TA in a sanctum, uh, are setting up this academy, you know, to really mentor and work with all the young girls trying to make their mark. And I mean, three, you know, incredible people to help mentor and steer you through your tennis development. So you know, Ash is still going to have a connection to the game that she loves. But, uh, you know, she could make that choice just to avoid the lifestyle of being a tennis player. And if you can do that at 25, hats off to you. Good luck. Yeah, good luck to you. Enjoy day three, mate. We'll speak again tomorrow. Thank you, Matt. Brett Phillips, you can catch all of the coverage uh, later on this evening right here on the SEN network. And as BP said, they'll be dancing around tonight thanks to Kia, a pinnacle of engineering. The Kia EV6 GT is the most powerful Kia ever crafted so they will be going all over the place because they'll be happening at the same time and I don't think there's any doubt that weather will play a part on day three so on center court tonight uh, Emma Raducanu against Coco Goff and then Sitsipas against Rinki Hijikata so that's the key matchup on center court tonight on RLA but we've got John Millman against Daniil Medvedev Jason Kubler against Karen Hutchikov, uh, Hutchinov uh, the Russian player who obviously can't play underneath or under that flag for this tournament. Olivia Gadecki in action in round two today as well. And the three round one matches to be completed from yesterday because of their interruption from Rain, Thanasi Kokonakis, Alexander Vukic and Max Purcell. So a big lineup of Australians and Rafael Nadal will be on centre court later on this afternoon. So they'll get all through those. They'll have closed the roof this morning. No troubles. Uh, play getting underway in an hour and 20 minutes time or just over that. That's day three of the Australian Open. All righty, we need to take a break. We'll come back and I'll get through your texts and time for you to call as well. one 1170 Yeah, let's go to that text line. It's 14 minutes to 10 o'clock for our Sydney listeners. Our Queensland listeners will be joining us after the 10 o'clock news. Uh, the Reptile says, Matt, lies. I listened to it live. The first thing he said, this is Wade Graham's interview with uh, Michael Carianis. Julian King this morning was not transfers. He said the first thing was revenue sharing. So money. Players are a joke and you changed the audio. No, we didn't, Reptile. No, 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 no. Now, you can go back and have a listen to it again. Uh, the audio piece that I played you was exactly in relation to the question that was asked. So the sticking points, um, the start of the comp under threat, and the relationship between the players and the NRL. That question was asked separately, uh, and you can catch up on that. So no changing the audio there. We're just sort of picking our way through it. But thanks for the text. Players have to have a festivus for the airing of grievances, says Dave from Frankston. Well, I mean, when you listen to Way Graham this morning, the, the airing of grievances and what they're trying to get across, 
appears to happen behind closed doors. And then what they're saying is that the NRL is coming out and saying a different thing. Now, we're not in the room, so we don't know. But this is what I'm saying. I mean, this is definitely an us versus them situation. Um, As it comes down to the crunch, how's this going to play out? And if it does get to the ultimate the ultimate card that they can play, which is strike action. How do you feel about it? Steve says, Matty, let them dig ditches. Some hard yakka for a week. Uh, And on that, another one says, I started bricklaying apprenticeship in 1975, which meant you were a labourer that went to tech one day a week. Everyone told me it's hard on the body, but I loved it. So I kept going, three operations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Continues to go on and basically saying, that you're working hard for the money that you're earning, about a quarter of the money, and suck it up, guys. Now, there's a lot of thought process around this, and this is part of what I'm saying to the RLPA in particular, is you've got to be clear about your argument. They They continually say that this isn't about money, but there are money aspects of this deal. They are laying out that there's the women's CBA, the women's side of the game, all sorts of different details, but you've got to be very, very clear about what you're standing for here. And it's getting muddled up, unfortunately. And like I said earlier, what have the NRL said in all this? Nothing, because they don't have to. They got on the front foot about this one. Uh, Jay from Blacktown says, it is my sincere belief that the majority of NRL players should just keep their mouths shut. I understand the CBA is complex, but Wade did absolutely nothing to further the case for players And I so want to support the players. Match payments, seriously, outside the cap, go away. This won't wash with the public. And taking aim at Clint Newton, who's the CEO of the RLPA. Matt, the NRL players don't convince anyone at the moment. Yes, as said, Volandis may have saved rugby league going back in time, but Volandis is at times too aggressive to be progressive. A strike may sound the wrong thing to do, but it may be the only way to get Philandis and Abdo to take notice. There's a problem with players over several issues. That's from Millet uh, in Brizzy. Well, I, I'm absolutely convinced that the NRL knows that there's several issues and that there is a problem. They know that, no doubt about it. But they've already shown their hand in this one, which is getting on the front foot and putting out a salary cap first. And it makes it very hard to come back from that argument because when the big pay rise is put out there, whether or not you agree to it, when it's put out there the way that the NRL did, you look greedy. If you start talking about more money or more changes or more funds or uh, anything else that you're trying to put on the table, it's very, very hard. They've been one-upped here and they're going to have to get themselves... Yes, back at the negotiating table, but back on track when it comes to the argument if they need to get you on side. Matt, the current economic climate and talk of a potential recession doesn't fill me with much sympathy for the players at the moment, says Pedro. They deserve all they can get, but read the room, boys. That one from Pedro. Thank you for that. 0457 736 736. Keep them coming. We can continue that conversation throughout the program this morning. Now, I did mention the Tommy Berry situation as well, which is which is a weird one. So he's been disqualified for accepting a consideration in two bets made by a prominent punter on the Gold Coast. A consideration is money, is, is a kickback, essentially. They had a, an inquiry into a relationship 
with a Gold Coast punter who made transfers totaling $15,000 into Tommy Berry's mother's bank account following two successful bets. So he provided his mum's bank details to the punter and Gold Coast butcher, Zayed Miller, and when he asked her if the money had been transferred, she replied, I'm rich. Now, Berry's going to appeal those charges, but he did plead guilty to another two charges of having a mobile phone in the jockey's room, which he can't do, and using it, which he can't do, plus a second charge of prejudicial conduct. So it's against the rules to accept a consideration, so let's just put it there, money, um, payments from someone other than an owner without the green light from stewards. So the old sling, right? So the old sling, you ride for an owner and you get a sling of the percentages, but you can't take a sling from a punter. The money was used to repair gutters on a house that Barry owns and his mother rents from him. So the inquiry found that he was not the recipient, but he was the person that agreed to accept. So a lot of people are saying, what's the difference here between giving a heads up, say, if we had Tommy Berry on the radio this morning and said to him, mate, can you help us out with something this afternoon? Want to have a little splash? And he goes, oh, I like the one that I'm writing in the third. What's the difference between that and giving a punter a nod and but saying, look, I can't take the money, which is what he said. I can't take anything about this. I mean, the rules are all there. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's just murky stuff, isn't it? And the end result is that he's been banned for essentially a year from riding for the different um, charges that he's facing. He will appeal what he's been disqualified for in terms of the $15,000 payment. But you're earning the top amount of money and you know how murky it can get in that world and how much the stewards will come down on you if there is any sign of murkiness. And when a $15,000 uh, $15, payment is paid into your mum's bank account, that's when they start to ask questions. So it's an interesting one, but it rules out at the moment multiple Group 1 winner and one heck of a rider and has been awesome for the industry. Tommy Berry's been banned for a year. Uh, welcome back. The 10 o'clock news is not too far away. We'll also catch up with Matty Logan, talk basketball, some um, incredible news around Lauren Jackson. She's been playing with a fractured foot for over a month. The age of 41, she'll play again tonight for the Flames against the Flames in Sydney, but she's been playing since early December with a fractured foot. Talk about made of the right stuff. The McGrath Hill Tiger says, welcome back, Matty. Thank you, mate. Uh, the biggest problem the players have is that to gain the support of the punters, we have to know everything that they want. Don't forget, if it wasn't for uh, Peter Volandis in the NRL during COVID, there'd be nothing to negotiate. That's a point that's been made. Transparency transparency is key here. And at the moment, the players need to be careful not to be seen as greedy. Need to look at the bigger picture. Don't kill the momentum the NRL has as the AFL will be waiting in the wings to swoop in and take advantage. Well, I'll get to this a little bit later, but in the News Limited papers this morning, they've done a very good summary of of what the players want and what the NRL has already put out there. So there are bullet points about what the players are chasing in this. And it is complex. It is detailed. Plenty for us to talk about on the other side of the news. A very big welcome to our listeners. Joining us for the first time this morning on SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 1620am on the Gold Coast. Welcome back to our listeners on 1170am in Sydney and wherever you tuned in via the SEN app. Thanks for your company on this Wednesday morning, day three at the Australian Open, but it looks a little bit gloomy down there in Melbourne. So rain could 
play a part today. And uh, by all reports, it's going to continue that way until at least around lunchtime. So we can uh, expect a few delays along the way because we did have some yesterday. I'll get to that in just a sec. There are three Australians who will feature in matches that were delayed from yesterday. Fanasi Kokonakis, Alexander Vukic and Max Purcell will pick up where they left off in round one. And then we've got four other Aussies who will start round two matches today. And some of those will be enormous. Rinki Hijikata later on tonight against Stefano Tsitsipas. John Milman against Daniil Medvedev. Jason Kubler has Karen Hutchinoff. And Olivia Gadecki is out there against Marta Kostyuk from Ukraine. So they're round two matches with the other three Aussies uh, knocking off the rest of their round one matches. We're also having a fairly healthy debate this morning around this continuing saga between the NRL players, the Rugby League Players Association and headquarters. Now, headquarters hasn't said anything. The NRL has really just backed away from this after lobbing the salary cap numbers in before the break. And meanwhile, the NRL players are starting this action where they're stepping away from media duties. It's NRL media duties as well. We've got to point this out. It's for NRL.com. It's from it's what I can gather, it's headshots, etc., and trying to get pre-promotion, which they'd normally do. It's run-of-the-mill stuff. But the players have backed away from it. Now, this morning on 11.70am Sydney Breakfast, Wade Graham, the shark skipper, has been interviewed by Michael Karianis and Julian King and tried to lay out, lay out his concerns and where he thinks it's all at. Kurt Capewell, of course, spoke yesterday as well, and we'll play that for you in just a second. But the bottom line out of all of this that I want from our listeners just joining us this morning via Queensland stations is, would you back a player strike? Because they're either going to have to work this out, and at the moment they appear to be far away from any situation of ticking off everything, but this collective bargaining agreement is either going to have to be worked out or the players are going to have to take drastic action. The NRL doesn't have to really do anything in between. It's now in the players' court. So if it goes to that situation of players taking drastic action, and we know what that is, it's a strike. If it goes to that, would you back it as a punter, as a fan? Do you have enough information from the players to say, I'm on their side? Are they reading the room wrong? There's so much more to it. We're not in the room, so we have to go by what they're telling us. And what the NRL is telling us, this is the number. What the Players Association and the players' representatives are saying is, we're not getting the respect that we need here and what we're talking about behind closed doors is being misconstrued out there in the public eye and we're not getting any further. So we're starting to take action. So that's what I want to know. 0457 736 736. A whole stack of text messages already. But for our listeners on 693 and 1620, why don't you come and join us on that discussion? James from Hornsby is on the open line. So let's start there. 1300 01 1170. Good morning, James. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, Matty. Um, well, Tommy cleared a few things up for me. Now, my understanding is that the NRL say giving $12 million to each club and saying to them, the club, you pay your players how you want. That's your salary. Bang, don't exceed it. Now, the Players Association saying it's not after us elite wanting more money. It's after the bread and butter players. We want them to have a bit more butter on their pay. So why are they going to the NRL saying, hey, you're not doing this for, our, for the uh, up-and-coming or the average players when it's the actual clubs who actually decide how much money they're giving you? Why doesn't the player association go to the clubs and say, look, you've got an increase in the salary cap, so 
How about you pay, put some money into them? Yeah, and that's part of it. I, I don't know the answer, James. I really don't know. I mean, there's there's other stuff on the line as well. Agreement rights on employment conditions evolving season length, drugs policy fines and bans, match fees outside the cap, the CBA for women, 120 million. This is what the players want, 120 million to be invested in the women's game over the next five years. Investment of up to $50 million for past players program, injury hardships, the, the whole lot. So the, the salary cap... It's interesting you mentioned that, James, because the salary cap was one of the key focuses, wasn't it? It was it was what we were asking the question last year. Like, how on earth can you start a season if you don't know what the pot's going to be, as in what the players can be paid? Well, the NRL gave them that. And you're right. They gave them $12.1 million, So that's a 25% increase. The salary cap that the players want is $10.4 million for the top 30 players that increases by $400,000 each year thereafter. So I haven't done the sums to see if they match up, but that's just one part of this puzzle. So this is the thing. It's complex and it's detailed and that's the way it's going to be because these are employment conditions, but there's a whole lot of other stuff under there. From what you know at this this stage, James, from, from what you know, what the players have been saying and what the NRL has already put out there, if the players said, we've had enough of this, we're not getting any further, we need to pull the plug, would you back them? Um, I back none of them. You know, I'm one of these people saying, like, if you want A, I want C, okay, let's call it quits and B straight away. You know, come to it. Yeah. None of this to and froing. You know, it's like the old bureaucrat saying, oh, we're going to continue to have meetings till we find out why no work's getting done. You know, yeah. they're just going to keep going and going back and forth. Just put them in a room, lock the door, and say, you don't come out and sort it out in a day. I'm sure they could. They could say, We'll do this. No, we want you to do that. Well, we can't do that because of this. Well, we can get up to here. Okay, we'll give that. Tick that box. Go to the next one. Go to the next one and just keep going through. Sort it out. Come to the middle ground there. And then you don't need half a dozen meetings to decide one sentence. So to me, it's, it's just a lot of BS to me. You know, you could sit down and have it all sorted out. How long have we talked about it on the radio? Yeah. For weeks, months. Yeah. And how many different solutions have you got? You've got heaps of solutions there, how to fix it and stop it, you know, and get it going. But they don't want to listen to it. You know, they just want to go back and forth, back and forth. Let's have another meeting. It'll keep me employed for another month. Oh, we'll have another meeting. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll have another meeting. We'll have another meeting. Oh, look at me. I'm in the uh, papers again. Oh, like I'll o- have another it's meeting. It's like Oprah. Oh, Every, everybody gets a meeting. Good on you, James. Thank you for that. It can give you an ice cream headache. But, look, it's it's detailed and it's complex. And we're not – I know a lot of people take aim at Clint Newton on this. Well, we're not the CEO of the Rugby League Players Association. That That's as simple as that. And we're not in NRL headquarters. What I am saying to you from my vantage point is that, and I'll read something from the shadow who sent me something in, but I think the NRL, by virtue of playing the game that they did, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but the way that they handled this by getting that salary cap out there, that news of the salary cap out there, was the preemptive strike that in a negotiation almost shut down anything thereafter that was going to happen. So if it comes to public perception, and this game does, for that very reason that James called, this game does because it matters to so many people. But when it comes to public perception, the players at the moment are on the back foot in the argument publicly. The NRL have done nothing since they threw out that salary cap number. And they haven't had to. They've just watched the smoke rise from the RLPA. So the players, in my opinion, have got every right to go as hard as they want here. Keep going at it. 
but I just don't think they're winning that war at the moment. Now, Shadow sent me one. He loves a, a tweet at Matty White S-E-N. The salary cap was 10 months late. What front foot are the NRL on? What don't you get? At this rate, the CBA will be ready mid-2024. And the Penrith boss, he says, has already said the clubs don't need the NRL for the comp to go ahead. Well, that's, mate, that's taking it to full extreme lengths. That's talking about breakaway leagues. And we had that discussion uh, last year. And you're probably right. At this rate, the CBA will be ready mid-2024. Which part don't I get about what front foot are the NRL on? Exactly what I just said. I mean, I may be wrong, but from my vantage point, I'm saying to you that the public perception here is that the players, well, for a start, the players aren't clear about what they're fighting for and how far they're determined to go to take this. And once you put that out there, then you start really being part of this picture. Now, you can go ahead and have your meetings and go through all those negotiations and thank God you and I aren't in that because it's punishing stuff. But that's what happens in negotiations, and this is complex. But at some stage, they're going to have to work out whether or not they want to really be in this fight and whether or not they really want you to be on their side. And in my opinion, just knocking back NRL.com media requests is okay. I mean, it's it'll hurt. It'll be nuisance value. But at some stage, you've got to put the gloves on. And that's when it'll get ugly, if it isn't already. 0457 736 736. Let's talk basketball now. News Limited's chief basketball writer, Matty Logue, is on the line. It blew me away, Matt. Good morning to you to read that Lauren Jackson's had a fractured foot for over a month. I mean, man, we knew she was tough, but gee, <laughs> and she's going she's gonna to keep on going with it. Yeah, and she has been going uh, morning, Matty. Yeah, remarkable story. Add to the legendary Lauren Jackson. She's done everything in basketball here. Uh, Hall of Famer. Um, she's the Oh, Matty, I'll tell you what we'll do, mate. We might just give you a quick buzz back because we've, we've lost you. So um, you're just fading away there. So we'll just reconnect you and get you back. But, yeah, the details around this. Um, so a fractured foot for over a month. Injured a foot against Perth in round five in early December. And here she goes again, 41 years of age, playing tonight against the Flames in Sydney. So once uh, Tommy re-established that connection with Matty, we'll get the details there. And also, I want to quiz him about Xavier Cooks, um, set to reap the rewards of his MVP calibre form because the NBA scouts are heading to Australia. All right, Logie, we've, we've got you back. So run us through Lauren Jackson again. Apologies, mate. Yeah, no, she's done everything in the game, mate. Pretty remarkable stuff. Uh, in, suffered the injury in round five this year, so early December, has um, and has just kept kept playing. Um, it's required extra rehab and everything like that. But as you said in the opener, Maddie, like uh, 41 years old as well, um, and she's going to continue to play. But a fracture in a foot, like. Most people and a lot of people would not play or would sit out, but not Lauren Jackson. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Crazy. I've got a sore ankle, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a sore hand from riding, but you know, <laughs> puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Now Xavier Cooks, I mean, one one heck of a player, one heck of a season, and the NBA scouts are, are taking notice. Obviously, well, I mean, we've spoken at length about where the NBL sits at the moment in terms of yeah. pathways to the NBA, and in fact, vice versa. So, where's Xavier Cooks? Do you think at the moment in terms of? Um, the scouts who are who are going to line up in Australia in coming weeks. 
Yeah, so I have a tip off uh, that there's a number of scouts, and that, a lot of scouts, NBA scouts, Maddie, for everyone listening, live here. Um, but there's a number of NBA scouts, including Portland, Houston. They're heading out the next couple of weeks to watch a number of NBA, NBA players, and Xavier Cooks is right up there. I think this is his chance, Maddie. Uh, last year, obviously, the championship and the grand final series um, MVP. This year, he's right in the running for the MVP. I think he'll probably, I think he can win it. Um, and he's developed his game. He's developed his, his jump shot. is probably his biggest weakness, Maddie. Um, but NBA teams want to meet with him. I was told last week I got a call from someone linked to the NBA saying that they all want to watch how he how he's playing. They're asking questions about what he's like as a bloke. Some of them want to wine and dine him and really talk to him about going to the NBA. And I think this is his chance. Oh, I really do. I think if he can showcase what he's been doing, he's a beast at both ends of the floor. I think he'll be a bench option in the NBA, Matty. Um, and I think he'll have to improve his shooting and his free throw shooting. But he's, he, he's got that um, appetite to work. Uh, and, and I think it could lead to an NBA contract. The other layer is the fact that he does have a, a young daughter and um, him and his partner are no longer together, but they are. They do get along. So that's the layer of it's a human decision now too. Okay, the NBA comes knocking and most people just assume that you, you just go. But for yeah. Xavier, I know he's you know, down in Hong Kong, it's, it's something that would, would have to be worked out and you know, it, that his daughter potentially could, could go over as well. Um, that's a big, big sacrifice. You know, a lot of people, parents, and would understand that it's not as simple as just being selfish and going, "I'll chase my." Yeah. What's um? So just uh, a bench option if you if you do pick up a, a contract to go initially as a bench option. What type of money are you, are you thinking around there? Yeah, well, it's still it's still pretty significant, Maddie. Like, you, you, I think you're looking at say someone like a uh, you know a Jack White. Um, he's over there. Was it when you're not? League, but he's getting you know um, minutes in the, in the latter stages of games for Denver. You still talk. Oh, I think he, it's still a couple of million dollars mm. just to go over and, and and do that, and nothing's guaranteed. And I think that's what will potentially start for Xavier. But he's getting a little bit old, so I think this is his chance. I, I think he wants to do it, so um, he might as well have a crack now and 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 see and see what happens. But he's definitely more than capable of being in the NBA. Yeah, so it's time to start uh, start hanging outside a few of the good restaurants in town to see who the scouts are taking out and whining and dining <laughs> over the next week. Good on you, Logie. Thanks for your time this morning, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Matt Logue there, News Limited's chief basketball writer, and that story on uh, Lauren Jackson is in the News Limited papers this morning. It's just extraordinary. But, yeah, so a bench option possibly. It's interesting too, and we'll discuss this further when we get Matty back um, next week or the week after about um, improving your shooting and those that are in the NBL. I heard uh, former NBL coach Alan Black um, being interviewed across the weekend, I think it was, and it was it was a really fascinating chat to see where we're at with the shooting and those that need to improve it by the time you get over to the NBA. And it sort of begs the question, well, isn't it a key part of the game? I mean, isn't it the part of the game? But there's a whole stack of reasons behind it. But a bench option is not too bad. And Xavier Cooks has been an absolute standout. There's also um, some good storylines around the Tasmania Jack Jump has been labelled amongst the most successful expansion teams in the history of Australian sport after their early 
success. Of course, they reached the grand final last year. They sit fourth on the NBA ladder for this season. And I don't think Larry Kesselman and co are done when it comes to expansion for the NBL. In fact, one of the things that I did hear in that that chat with uh, Alan Black was Darwin, throwing up Darwin as a good option or the Northern Territory, obviously based out of Darwin. You've got to be careful with expansion, don't you? 0457 736 736. Your texts are coming in thick and fast, especially about the NRL uh, versus the Rugby League Players Association. So we'll get to those. Thank you, Shadow. Respectfully said, he has said back on our Twitter. You can get us that way as well, at Matty White. S-E-N. About 40 minutes away until day three starts uh, at Melbourne Park at the Australian Open. Well, especially on Centre Court and those that have um, the cover over the top because it's certainly raining for the outside courts. Back after this. I love this job. Another busy day ahead. We've got uh, sport coming out of our ears this morning. So day three at the Australian Open will start in just over half an hour's time. Also game two of the one-day international series between the Australian women's team and Pakistan at Allen Border Field. So the Aussies, of course, won game one by eight wickets. Uh, Rain interrupted match with 67 balls to spare. Meg Lanning um, and Phoebe Litchfield, what a performance on her one-day international debut. So we'll keep you across that. So both of those, tennis and cricket, getting underway at around uh, 11 o'clock For our Sydney listeners, 10 o'clock for those listening via 693 and 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. We've heard uh, from Wade Graham at detail at length. And if you missed it this morning on breakfast here on SEN, you can catch up on the podcast. But what about uh, Kurt Capewell? Now, he spoke yesterday to the media about this whole situation and covered it at length as well in a one-on-one. And this is the interesting thing. So when you are hearing that they're knocking back the media requests, they're still doing the commercial media. Hence Wade Graham on our program this morning, on our station this morning, and Kurt Capewell fronting the media yesterday. They're not doing the NRL um, proposed media, as in the in-house media for the website and pre-season promotion as well. But here's what Kurt Capewell had to say. But at the moment, we're not doing the NRL stuff. Um, hopefully, Peter and Abdo can get to a table and you know realise that it's starting to have an effect on the game. The longer this CBA drags out, the worse it's going to have an effect. So we're ready to negotiate. We hope they are too. The way I see it is there hasn't been enough discussion. The NRL, they've come back with another, uh, what we believe is very unfair, proposition for a CBA. And yeah, we've sort of had enough of sitting at a table and not being heard. So we don't want it to get to that. We love the game and we would never want to see it not on the TV screens and let the fans down. So what we want as a playing group is the NRL to come to the table and be ready to negotiate. They try and paint a picture of us. They wave a shiny toy in our face and um, hoping that we were silly enough just to run into that CBA. But uh, there's still so many parts of the CBA and so many parts where they're nowhere near it as we think. And we're prepared to fight for what we think is fair. So pretty clear there, Kurt Capewell, about um, where they're at. And they're just saying they're not being listened to at this stage and they are not. Uh, they don't want to be walking silly into a salary cap that has been proposed. So <laughs> I don't know. Help me out here. Where's this going to end? Um, it's the old Mexican standoff treatment and we're right in the middle of it. Uh, Steve says, all I hear is bits and pieces from the players, yet no details in exactly what they want. Um, so without details, I won't support any strike action from them. Well, the details, see, this is the point, Steve. The details are there. I mean, 
grab one of the News Corp papers. The Daily Telegraph, for instance, in Sydney has labelled it out in bullet point form. Uh, so the details are there. When the details are so complex, they're hard to get across. This is this is part of it. And they are complex. They're on a whole stack of different layers. So somehow they've got to work out how to narrow it down. Junior Smithy, good to hear from you. Junior, uh, the NRL and RLPA need to take a step back and have a better look at what the game really needs because they're looking at their personal wants as a guide to what the collective bargaining agreement should be. And sorry, they are both way off. Thank you, Junior Smithy. Um, Both way off. That's probably the key there. No promotions, then reduce their money, says Rooster Man. No one makes them pay, uh, play rather. And like everyone else, if you don't do your job, um, you basically just don't get paid. Find another one. Just playing greed, says Pat. 0457 736 736. A whole range of thoughts here. Or 1300 01 1170. Thank you, Vanessa. Yeah, play getting underway very soon at the Australian Open and at the cricket as well. Uh, weather pending on both fronts. So we'll check that once we get a good idea of what's going on. Let's go to the open line. 1300 01 1170 is the number. John from Bronte is on the line. Good morning, John. Your thoughts about uh, this standoff between the RLPA and the NRL? Yeah, good morning, Matt, and Happy New Year to you. You too. Um, uh, the first thing is I don't think the players will strike. If the players strike, they don't get paid, and that means no one gets paid. So I don't think they will strike. I think what they're trying to do is disrupt the NRL as much as they possibly can. It'll be interesting, I think, if they go to the next sort of level where they're not going to provide their own content to Fox or, or um, Nine, where they're not going to do interviews, uh, that sort of thing. Um, it's interesting. I'm not sure what's in the current um, collective bargaining agreement, but it'll be interesting to know, you know, if they, 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 they've got a, a club's got to put people up for media every week. Yep. So whether the players refuse to do media, that'll be the interesting thing. Then the media companies will drive the NRL. So I think their strategy is interesting. And, you know, let a media company like Fox and Nine drive the NRL and say to Peter Belandis, you've got to come to the table. So I think it's a game of brinkmanship at the moment. But mm. I don't think they'll – I think they'll play. I think I definitely think they'll play. Yeah, and look, mate, I tend to agree with you on all fronts, and you raise a really good point. I don't think it's going to get to strike action. I hope it doesn't, um, and I don't think it doesn't. I mean, that is, that's as drastic as you're going to get, and, and you're right. You don't, you don't play, you don't pay, right? So – and, and your other point about this is is bang on because this is what I've been pointing out with their refusal to do media or backing down from NRL media is around the website. It's interviews for the website and pre-promotion for the game. It's an entirely different story when the big media organisations who fund the game, 90-odd percent of the money that the game has comes from the broadcasters, it's a different argument, mate. You are spot on about that. When Fox start to flex their muscle and Channel 9 start to flex their muscle, then it's a different argument. So I I don't know what's going to happen when those conversations have to start place. I mean, that's probably where we get to the crux of the matter, do you think? I just think uh, when those who fund the game get involved, and they will at some stage, if Wade Graham's not going on Fox or Channel 9, mm. et cetera, et cetera, or uh, Kurt Capewell or whoever it is, or James Tedesco, it'll be interesting to see what happens because that drives the popularity of the game, 
having the players market the game. So I don't know what's in the current collective bargaining agreement, but if there's something there yep. or not there, then the players are going to take advantage over it till they get uh, some traction in this uh, CBA. Yeah, you're absolutely uh, required to do a certain amount of um, media activity with the host broadcasters. That that will be an absolute. And when the season gets going, there are obviously absolutes as well around that. And, mate, I've been in that position on, on that side. So I know that um, once it starts to affect, the, affect those broadcasters, those conversations will take a, an entirely different turn and, and there's an entirely different outcome towards it as well. But you raise a really good point, John. I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling in this morning, mate. Appreciate you listening to the program as well. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number if you'd like to have your say. I mean, it's a really good point, isn't it? And it's something that I've been at pains to point out that you've got to remember at the moment what they're doing is taking action against the NRL's own promotion of the game. So they're trying to hit headquarters on that. Now, I, I've been sort of saying they've been doing that with a feather duster. I mean, I really don't know how much of a drama that's going to be and how much pre-promotion is, is, is driven by headshots on a website and all that kind of stuff. But it's a different game when you start to get, okay, you think of the amount of promotion that you see throughout the year from the broadcasters, how much of that is done pre-season? It's enormous. It's huge. It takes a lot of logistics to work out, and it comes from both angles now. It comes from Fox and Nine. Now, that will be a major headache if they start saying no to the major broadcasters. But they haven't yet, by virtue of the fact of we've just seen this morning. They, you know, Wade Graham would have every right under this action that they're trying to that they're taking at the moment to say to us when we give them a call, no, 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 we're not speaking to the media. That's where it starts to have a different impact. They're saying, no, we're not speaking to you in RL because we're the ones that we're picking the fight with. Um, is that having an impact? Not sure. Not sure. But they're doing the first step along the way. The broadcast numbers, you've got to remember, are pretty astronomical. <laughs> I mean, that's where the money comes from. All right, 2 a.m., Tommy. Busy, busy, busy. Good morning to you. Morning, Matty. Morning, listeners. Thank you, Mark. Oh, we forgot about the coins. That's the first time we've had the coins... I don't think, no, I think Mark's been doing it. We just, you just haven't thrown to it. Uh, you know what we so need? You've just forgotten uh, I mean, about me. I mean, it's 2023. Okay. When was the last time you had coins in your pocket? Oh, I've got coins in my backpack and I'm, I'm actually going to deposit them in because I've got, I don't really ever carry around cash or coins on there me. You go. The only time I carry around cash is if I'm in the tab or I'm playing the pokies or at the casino. That's the, or I'm taking money, but usually I always lose my money. So that's <laughs> not the case. Um, that's, those are the only times I ever use right. cash and I'm going to, I've got like, Fifteen, sixteen dollars in yeah. coins and, and cash. I'm going to go deposit in the account because I don't like having that on. You're going to put that into your bank account? Yeah, because I don't like having it on me. I just always pay with card. Oh, weighs down the backpack. Yeah, and weighs down the wallet. Yeah. Surely you just go to like a Coles or Willie self service, and that's where you because you, you just throw. What it did in you there. just nah. say? A Willie self service. Willie Coles or oh, Willie? Said... <laughs> no, I'll just go to the. I'll go to the bank. Let's go to the bank for deposit fifteen dollars. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Money's money. Call them two cents for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was just saying we need one of those, you know, like the square readers, you know, the sound of the beep that you do. Oh, yeah, when you pay with your like card. Like the Apple Pay or whatever. Sure, yeah. yeah. Pump it up to Tommy's $200. I mean, I'm sure it, it really ha- makes sense. I'm though. sure it happens, happens around, you know, our major cities here as well. But when I was overseas, I was doing a lot of stuff on the tube in London. So a lot of that underground stuff. And the buskers there had the. On the stand. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So busking away and on another stand, they had their mobile phone and you could go up and tap it to give them a tip. 
Wow, that's innovative. Well, when I was in Bali, a lot of it is is cash. So I was yeah. getting used to paying with cash a lot over there. Yeah. Well, it's worth, uh, yeah. it's worth a lot more over there. Yes, right. that glad, is very, very cleared, true. Glad we cleared that up. By the way, for our listeners just joining us for the first time, can we fix your phone? Can we? Can can somebody out there? I mean, we've got a wealth of information from our listeners. They've got, they've got all sorts of of cures for everything. Remember when I had a leak in the car last year and I, mm-hmm. I couldn't find where it was coming from, and they pointed me towards the sunroof. That's where it was. Yep, I, I should have listened to our listeners first up. So, Tom's got this this bright pink line that runs down the left hand side. Yeah, of the iPhone. It's been about there for about two months. No, longer than no, that. No, yeah. It was it was when I was on leave for my surgery. So just over so it's about two and a half months. Yeah. Okay. And you've reset, you've done everything, and basically you can't get rid of it. But I, Maddie, I think the only option, and listeners will be able to tell me so as well, buy the a new on, one. is not buy a new one, just take it to Apple and then repair it. But I don't want to pay the money. It's gonna yeah. cost a couple hundred bucks. I'd rather well, just not do that. Well, you got fifteen or sixteen. Thank you, Mark. You got fifteen or sixteen in your backpack. Maybe if you put that, yeah, towards... just back pay it or something, do something like that. No, I'm, I'm happy with it. It's fine. Let's it's... talk sport. Would you back yes. a player's strike if it got that far? And I agree. I thought John's call this morning was was bang on a number of fronts. I don't think it's going to get to a strike, um, and I think it's Neither. a completely different organ. I think it's a completely different argument once you start taking on the media organisations versus your own organisation, as in the NRL. Yeah, so we're what, 43 days away from the start of the season. March 2nd is when we kick off um, between the Storm and the Eels. We put a poll out on our Twitter page saying, would fans back a strike from players? It's at 66%. Uh, no, 33, just over 33% said yes. Um, I'm I'm always nearly, nearly 100% always on the side of the players. And in this instance, I'm going to go with yes, I would back a strike from the players. I love NRL. I love watching footy. I want nothing more than the footy to start again. But if we are six weeks away, if we get to March 2nd and this still hasn't resolved itself, then what other choice really did the players have? Now, you played audio from Ricky Stewart um, speaking last night in support of Andrew Abdo and support of Peter Volandis. And I do agree um, to a certain point that um, Peter Volandis kind of bulldozer approach worked wonders during COVID. He was able to work with the players, able to work with the broadcasters, Channel 9 and Fox, to you know negotiate a deal and get play back on May 28th, 2020, before any other professional code in Australia. So you do have to give him some credit there. But just because it worked there doesn't mean it works now. I don't think the bulldozer, bulldozer approach, if I get my words out, is working in this instance. And yes, he hasn't really said anything since they released the salary cap numbers towards what I think it was early to mid-December last year. Mm. But then as, as Wade Graham said on with Julian King and Michael Carianis this morning, they say one thing in a meeting and then a couple of days later they give them a new CBA and then it's totally different to what they spoke about. So they're playing ducks and drakes with the RLPA here and I think the RLPA, all the players, Kurt Catewell, Christian Welsh, Wade Graham, they want to dance around the issue because they don't want to put the f- fans offside. Fans are already offside. Fans have already made up their mind about... They think the players are money hungry. They just want more money, blah, blah, blah. No matter what you're going to say, some portion of fans are always going to think that the players just want more money. That's not entirely the case. They want to look after the women. They want to look after the the young blokes and development and train and trial deals. And they want to look after the players who are going into the retirement who need to be looked after financially um, from a mental point and a physical point of view as well. So I would back a, a strike from the players as much as it was hurt to not see NRL being played, however long that would go for. It's happened in the NFL. It's happened in the NBA in the past. Mm. Um, I would back the players if that's what they think is the best option to do. I still remember seeing the Major League Baseball strike, and it was something that I never thought 
you know, you'd see. And it was extraordinary. They just shut the whole thing down. It happened twice recently in the NBA. It happened in 1998 yeah. and it happened in 2011. So it'll ha- it can happen. I mean, I don't think – I think John, our caller, was spot on. I, I don't think it will happen, but it can happen. And that's the thing. That's what the Players Association have got that the NRL doesn't have. The NRL can't all of a sudden find a whole stack of players to play NRL football. No. It ain't going to happen. So that's the one thing that they've got that the other side doesn't have. So, I don't know, do you threaten that? What is – at least it puts it out there? I'm not sure. Uh, but – Here's the thing. Everyone's talking about strike, and I'll get to my point quickly because we're going to go. But what, what's the biggest stance they can take right now? And I think they're trying to, to get that. They're trying to say in the NRL, look, we're not going to talk to you. We're going to shut you out. But we're going to go to nine. We're, we're still doing open media. We're going to go to SEM. We're going to go to all these other media media companies to, to put the pressure back on you. Now, the NRL could say, look, this isn't any pressure. It's just talk, talk, talk. We've still got six weeks. You know, We're at the table. We're waiting for you to come. The, the fan perception doesn't look great on you right now. But – if they just sit on their hands, six weeks is going to go by like that. And then we're going to get to March March 1, the day before the season starts, and, oh, we don't have a CBA. And then the players, they're going to have to come up with a decision. Do we strike or do we just get on with it? And then Peter Volandis, if they say get on with it, he's just going to sit back and laugh, him and Andrew Abdo. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Or give us a call this morning. We've got plenty to continue this debate with and th- uh, so many thoughts on the text line. I'll get to those soon. 1300 01 1170. The women's ODI at Allen Border Field, Pakistan, have won the toss and they will bat first against Australia. Remember, Australia won the toss game one and decided to bowl first anyway and uh, did a very, very good job. So the skies look uh, nice and clear at the moment at Allen Border Field, and meanwhile, it's a bit gloomy down there in Melbourne, but play around 10 or 15 minutes away. Just a quick one before the news. So the NFL wildcard round is done. Buccaneers got uh, uh, dismissed yesterday by the Cowboys, 31 points to 14 in the end. So the Cowboys are going to play the 49ers. Where does that leave Tom Brady? Well, have a listen to Tom as he fronted the media afterwards. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support. You know, Hopefully, um, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me. Uh, all you regulars, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Ooh, does that sound like a farewell speech to you? It sounds like a little bit of a farewell speech to me. He kind of left it hanging open a bit. I love this organisation, but he's fronting the media, remember, and he's going into the media when he wants with his $500 million Australian deal, um, Australian dollars, that is, $500 million to go and work for Fox over there. That sounded to me like a, I'm going to be working with you guys next year. I just need to remind you how good I think you all are <laughs> and how lovely you've been and how fantastic. Thank you for looking after me. Thank you. You're fans of the game. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're awesome because next season I'm going to be with you. So he's uh, decided to buy in, I reckon. I think that's the key pointer as to where Tom Brady goes next. Uh, last week on the show when Peacock Adam Peacock was covering mm. – uh, we didn't have headlines. We didn't have Tommy's Tribune. Yes. But we did have Peacock's Post. Ah. And not to toot my own horn, but I had a headline which was, Bye Bye Brady, Brady Bye. <laughs> so if you don't mind. Oh, okay. Oh, just, give myself a tip. I like what you've done. And, you just dive straight oh, into yeah, the show yeah, yeah. and giving yourself a oh, tip. Oh, don't worry. I've got that. Ah. Don't worry about it. 
Bye bye, Brady. Brady, goodbye. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, by the way, divisional round. So we're down to what the final eight teams now uh, in the NFL. Uh, you can catch the Super Bowl coverage right here live on SEN. That's a couple of weeks away, obviously. But Chiefs against the Jaguars first up on Sunday morning our time. And then it's the Eagles and the Giants. That'll be Sunday afternoon. And then Monday morning, it'll be Bills against Cincinnati. And then the 49ers will have the Cowboys. So they are, they are the remaining eight teams. Then we'll have the conference championships followed, of course, by the Super Bowl. We've got another debutante uh, for Australia today too at Allen Field. Kim Garth will make her debut in the Australian Colours in the one-day international off the back of Phoebe Litchfield doing so in game one and absolutely starring with the bat. So congratulations to Kim Garth. She'll be a new Australian player today. We need to take a break. We'll come back and then it's the news and then it all kicks off again. Cricket starting day three at the Australian Open starting. Plenty of time for your texts and calls. <laughs> Bulldog Bob on the text line. I thought you were having a crack for a second there, Bulldog Bob. I, I thought, what have I done? He goes, Matty, are you serious? I went, hang on a second. Um, are you saying it may rain in Melbourne today and it may disrupt the tennis as it did yesterday? According to the Mexicans, I thought it only rained in Sydney during the cricket. Hypocritical sods, aren't they? Says Bulldog Bob. Uh, I t- <laughs> well... I mean, yesterday, I it was weird. I was running around doing a bunch of stuff, and then I saw that the, the heat policy had been enacted down there, and it went from level four to level five. Um, I mean, I, I it was it was it sounds weird, but it was only thirty degrees. I mean, it does get much much hotter than that, and I've certainly been there when it's been over forty, and it's ridiculous. I mean, at the end of the day, that most of the heat from the Melbourne Park complex comes from below, not above, because it's essentially one massive car park. So there's a heck of a lot of heat around. And then next time I looked up, there was rain delays. Uh, hey, that's Melbourne. Thank you, Bulldog Bob. I thought I was in trouble, but good to know that you're just uh, taking a swipe at our southern neighbours. All righty, we need to take a break because the news is coming up. Then the final hour of the program, Gareth Hall will join me as well. I want to get to the bottom of this Tommy Berry situation and your thoughts too around uh, at, what's, at what point can jockeys give information to punters or to fans? Welcome back to you, one and all listening in for the final hour of the program. Phil Pryor will take over, filling in for Jimmy Smith. And then, of course, uh, I guess as we head towards February, the whole team will be back on on deck and back in action. Uh, 0457 736 736 is the text line. So a couple of things to be at, about to get underway as we speak. Uh, the Women's One Day International Series at Allen Border Field, so Australia in the field yet again, Kim Garth making her debut. So Pakistan this time won the toss and have elected to bat. So they'll be uh, hoping they get a much better start second time around than they did the first time. Uh, currently, the Aussie women lead this series one zip and the final game in that series will be played at North Sydney Oval on Saturday. So we'll keep you up to date with that. Uh, Rod Laver Arena and all of the other arenas that have the roof ready to close um, will be in play for day three of the Australian Open. Uh, just trying to get a look at the Channel 9 coverage. And last time I looked up, it was still gloomy and still quite wet. So possibly some interruptions to the outside courts and the open courts as we get into day three. But Iga Sviontek will be on court first on RLA. So the number one seed in the women's against Camilla Osorio. 
Um, so she should be breezing through that. That'll be followed by Jess Pagula, number three seed. And then a little bit later on this afternoon, Rafa is back in action against an American player, Mackenzie McDonald. Don't know much about him, but looks um, like a youngster who's going to take on the defending champion. Now, Australians in action today, a lot of them, <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, look forward to this evening. John Millman against Daniel Medvedev. That one over on Margaret Court Arena. So that'll be the night session first match. Then the second match on RLA will be Rinki Hijikata against Stefano Tsitsipas. So in terms of programming, beautiful. Start at 7 o'clock, Milman Medvedev into uh, centre court, Tsitsipas against Hijikata. Before that is Emma Raducanu against uh, Coco Golf. So that one's the earlier match on RLA. Um, Thanasi Kokonakis will be resuming his first round match. There are three Aussies who will play their first round matches. Um, just before that, I'll give you the other round two matches. Olivia Gadecki and Jason Kubler also in action in round two. So the four Aussies starting their round two matches uh, later on tonight. Then we've got Thanasi Kokonakis who is two sets up. He leads 4-2 in the third against Fabio Fognini. Um, Brett Phillips, interesting, saying that, look, Fabio just wasn't in it. He was essentially tanking, getting rid of it. Um, so that should probably wrap up pretty quickly once they get going. Alexander Vukic and then Max Purcell as well. So three Aussies completing their round ones from yesterday, four Aussies starting their round twos today. Rafa in action later on this afternoon and Igor Sviantek getting underway very soon on centre court. Okay, let's go straight to the open line. Pedro the Rooster, good morning to you again, Pedro. So I'm interested in your thoughts on now that we've had a fairly robust debate, we've covered a few sides or as many sides as we can about this NRL v RLPA situation. Where do you sit at the moment? G'day, Matt. Mate, I um, I think we should stop using the expression or, or saying what are the players going to do if they don't get what they want. They're not going to get what they want because it's an enterprise agreement. We, we've got to remember that um, in these negotiations, that's what, that's what it's all about. That, you know, okay, can we have this? No, but you can have that. That's what it's all about. So we can't just say, okay, what are the players going to do if they don't get what they want? They, there's no way they will because it's a negotiation. Mm. That's what the, it's an enterprise negotiation. It's just how far can they be pushed to, to, to say, okay, there's no way that we're going to accept this offer. Um, it, it's just part and parcel. We know how hard the Andy's played, yeah. and that's his job. That is his job to do that. And then that's Clint Newton and the boys' job to do their job. But you've got to be fair. And if it needs to have a mediator, an independent mediator, let's get him in. Just, just get a mediator in and get the bloody thing done. Otherwise, you're going to go back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, and, and it appears as though that's where they're at at the moment. I mean, when you listen to the players, Pedro, one of the things that they're saying is that they're not being listened to. And what they're saying is then being turned around and, and fed out in a different manner. That's what the players are saying. That's not what I'm saying because I'm not in the room. But that's what Wade Graham's been saying, Kurt Capewell's been saying, and that they've essentially had enough. And whilst it is an enterprise agreement, Remember that it's it's being called a collective bargaining agreement. I think that the term is often misled here because the old CBA collective bargaining agreement assumes that everybody's doing it collectively. And, of course, it's going to be one side versus the other. But they're at a clear impasse 
when it comes to the respect at the table. The details are going to be the details. And you'll have 100 pages on one side and 150 on the other. But if there's no trust at the table, Pedro, where do they go from there? Because if you can't trust what's happening on the other side to to come to some sort of negotiation agreement, then you're not really going to dig into the details in the in in the second place because you won't get past the first step. Do you know what I'm saying there? I, I just wonder where they're at at the moment in terms of being able to sit around the table and have a constructive chat. Mate, majority of divorces, I think they'd rather not. <laughs> and and <laughs> that's what it's like, isn't it? Yeah. But they, they'd rather not be paying solicitors the money. That's why they get mediators in because they can't agree on things because things start to get a little bit bitter. bitter. Everyone's got their own agenda, haven't they? It's natural. Yeah. And I, I, you know, good on the players. They, they bust the gut and I love seeing what they do and I know how hard they, you know, that they put what they put their bodies through. But then again, it's a business from that side of things. Get somebody in, an independent person and just sort it out. Easy peasy. I mean, I know you're going to pay that person, but yeah. in the grand scheme of things, at least the thing gets done. Mate, you love the game. You've got a really good take on both sides of this as, as well. But if it came to the crunch, if it came to the crunch, and I don't think it's going to, but if the players said, we're going to have to strike here, we're not up for round one, forget about this media ban and all that stuff. We're just going to have to pull the plug because that's what we've got left in our back pocket. How would that go down with you? Mate, I, I sent it a, a, a text in earlier saying, in this economic climate, yes, and with talk of recession, read the room, boys. I'm sorry, I'm not going to back you at the moment. It's, you know, uh, have a look at your average Joe. We're not, we're not doing it all that, that well. We're not, we're, I'm not going in and saying to me, boss, oh, I wouldn't mind a bit, bit more cash. It's not the time for it. So, you know, I, I just, hopefully they come to an agreement. Now, yeah. Look, people aren't happy. They're not going to be happy either way. You know, it's a bit of to and fro and, and get somebody, get a mediator in. Yeah, good on you. Maybe the mediator's the call. Thank you, Pedro. Appreciate that. We've had a wicked fall early again. Um, so Pakistan's decision to go in and bat first after winning the toss has uh, come back to bite them because Darcy Brown has struck. She did the same thing in the first match. So uh, first over for Darcy Brown, second over of the ODI at Allen Border Field and Pakistan a one for 2 So uh, Court Mooney bowled Brown and we've had a dismissal early on in this one. Well done, to the Aussies, off to a flyer already in the second ODI. So one for two, 1.3 overs gone there and play about to get underway on centre court at the Australian Open. If not, uh, yeah, still warming up there on centre court. Uh, What do you think about that? Is it time to call in the mediator? Is that where we're headed on this one? Um, Because Pedro makes a really good point too. I mean, it's, it's a negotiation, but are we fooled by the term collective bargaining agreement? The old CBA. We're making the assumption that everybody's collectively on the same page and that doesn't happen often. It's good to talk to my next guest for the first time this season. In fact, the last time I saw you, mate, you were Gareth Hall's on the line, by the way, SEN track host, G Hall. The last time I saw you, you were at the doggies down there. I was uh, doing some stuff for racing.com, but we didn't get a chance to have a chat because you were having a ripping night. Um, Happy New Year to you. Welcome to the program. Happy New Year to you, Matty. Yeah, it was a terrific night. I still can't believe the dog that SEN had as our, our slot dog for the Phoenix got beat that night in Emerald Boy. It's one of the biggest efforts that you'll ever see in any code um, that night. And um, no, it was a terrific night. They they do it so well, the Meadows. It's a great yeah. concept, that slot race. And 
it's, it was more like turning up to a football match than a, a racing venue. So they, they create this wonderful atmosphere. And I tell you what, Emeron, boy, you can get $5 for him Ooh. for the Paws of Thunder at Wentworth Park on Saturday night. Yeah. He might be worth something each way. Yeah, for our listeners who missed it, and I did, uh, I did bring them up to date while I was doing it, it was down there at the Meadows in Melbourne, and it was the Phoenix, which is you know, a, a big time race worth a lot, a lot of money over a million dollars. And it was um, like at the slot, as, as Gareth says, it was slot holders. So very similar, obviously to the Everest and SEN had Amron boy and the sports bet guys ended up getting up in a thrilling race. Mate, what about the party that those boys had on as Simon Marshall? No. Has anyone seen S Marshall since? No. And you know what? They're like, we love sports, bet. they do a wonderful job promoting it. But I desperately wanted to win because there were bragging rights, et cetera, um, with this particular race. And while she's fast, she's a superstar. She became the first greyhound. This is the prize money in this sport now yeah. to win $2 million in the sport of greyhound racing. And there's now $4 million races or $3 million races in the sport of greyhound racing with Queensland just announcing their million dollar race. So um, if you've got a good putt, um, you'd be pretty happy with yourself. Yeah, it's a good night too. It's a good one. Now, mate, yep. let's get down to business in terms of what's happening in racing in a fair bit. Um, I was on air yesterday when the news broke around the Cox Plate possibly being moved, so I'm interested yep. in your thoughts on that one. But first up, jo- uh, Tommy Berry. So I, I, I've detailed what's been playing out here and the $15,000 that was transferred to his mum's bank account. Um, He's facing a year, essentially, on the sidelines. He's accepted some of those other charges about using a mobile phone, but it appears as though he's going to appeal this one for accepting a consideration, which is essentially a a payment, a sling, if you like. What's going on with this? Well, Tommy's done something probably that, he wish he could take back. He's been more naive than doing anything wrong. They've analysed those races, racing New South Wales stewards, and there's, from an integrity point of view, there is nothing wrong with the way that those races were run. Um, Tommy didn't want that money, my understanding was. The punter continued to insist that he have that money after Tom um, gave him a good push for a couple of horses. He backed them and he won some money. Um, and then he just said, well, basically, the money went to his mother, and there was fifteen thousand dollars that was transferred um, between the punter um, into the account of Mrs. Barry. So, it's unfortunate because Tommy is a wonderful ambassador for the game, Matty. He's terrific with the media. Um, he's definitely not a crook, and uh, he um, is a man full of integrity, if you ask me. But he's just made a, a, a mistake here that's going to be costly. I've got no doubt, well, he's going to appeal. I don't think he deserves the the year out of the game, which he was handed down to yesterday. I think he'll get a little bit off that. Um, But I think it's just a warning to everybody in the racing game, especially if you're a jockey. You can't accept a sling. If if someone wants to persist in in trying to give you money after they back the winner, um, you just simply can't take it. And if you're a punter or you've got relationships with jockeys, um, don't do that because you put them in a in a vulnerable situation. So it's unfortunate around the sport misses out on one of its superstars um, for at least a year at the moment, but I think he'll appeal. And I reckon he'll have to get some time taken off the, the, the original um, sentence. You would have had people say this to you, and we've had people say this to us as well. So people are saying, what's the difference between Tommy Berry, for instance, jumping on my show or your show? And at the end of the conversation, you say, mate, what have you got today? Can you give us a heads up? And he goes, I, li- I like the thing that I'm writing in the third at Flemington, right? So 
and and, yeah. and that's considered information. Um, and people are saying, well, what's the difference between saying that on radio and doing that with a punter? Well, there's, there's essentially not, but the difference is then if I make money out of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I make 15 grand out of it and then ring Tommy and say, I need to, I want to give you this 15 or I want to give it to somebody that you're associated with, that's where the problem is. Is is that the right read on it? Yeah, correct. So if, if Tommy Berry, we, we caught up with Tommy um, at a pub, and a lot of the punters ask these jockeys and drivers for tips because if you meet one of the superstars, um, what's your, have you got a winner for us coming up, boys? And usually they're really good. And, and uh, there's not a problem with them tipping horses um, to the public and, and on radio. That's just, it's going to, it's impossible to police if you're not, they're not allowed to do that. But you just can't um, get money. Someone says to them, well, you help me, you, um, you, uh, you help me back these, all these winners and I want to give you a, a couple of hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or a car or whatever. You're just not allowed to do that unless you're an owner and owners can give slings. Um, and if you want to give a jockey a sling because you backed a few winners, you just have to get permission from the stewards. That's all. And then they can make a decision. But um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, mate. It's a, it's, there's a little bit of a gray area as well, because these races, mind you, I just want to get this, um, nice, nice and clear that these these races that Tommy had been investigated in were thoroughly um, analysed by the stewards and their and their team there, and especially the people who do the form for them. And there was nothing that looked suspicious, um, and there was no integrity issues with those races. So it's just a naive. It was it was just naive, Tommy, for what he did, and he's paid a big price for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because because Maddie Tommy Berry doesn't need fifteen thousand. Oh, 100%. He's a multi-millionaire. Exactly. Yeah. Like, but but also, yeah. and you're right, and and the naivety part in it is that Tommy Berry also doesn't need to give a punter his mum's bank details. That's you know, no, that, correct. That's, that's where yeah. it falls apart. And, and you're right, he's paying yeah. the price for it. Um, so we'll see where that appeal goes. Just a quick one on on the Cox Plate possibly moving to a couple of weeks after. Um, the end of the Melbourne Cup. So from late October to late November, it, it changes a whole stack of things. It, it it puts it puts Stakes Day at Flemington, the fourth and last day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. It, it adds a bit of extra punch there because that's the last stop for horses to get into the Cox Plate if they're going to do it on November 25. How does it affect Correct. the whole scenario of history, obviously, people won't like change. And, and what's the reaction been to news of this? I see the VRC have come out and said, whoa, hang on a second, this is premature. Yeah, they don't like it. We had Michael Brow, the CEO of Mooney Valley, on today, and he says that it has to be a compelling argument um, with prize money increases for them to be on board about this change. Um, and then I guess the rest of the industry need to have a look. So if you move uh, regarding the programming, so if you move the Cox Plate back a month, you need to move other races as well. So you can have a, um, so these horses going towards the Cox Plate can have a, a plan going forward with a couple of weeks break in between runs. So it's going to be fascinating. And as Michael Brow pointed out, it's not just Peter Volandis that are taking on um, Mooney Valley these days in, for racing New South Wales, but the VRC and the MRC, they're, they're different bodies. So they want the best for their club. Um, and they put on Champions Day um, Flemington, and they they want to, and they've been vocal in saying this that they want to make the Champion Stakes the premier weight for age event mm. in the country. Um, so there's competition left, right, and centre. 
And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, mate. For me at the moment, I I don't mind change, but you just need to see what the um, programming is before you can make a decision on it. Because um, just pushing back the spring carnival, um, I'm not quite sure about that, mate. I think racing's got six weeks to really shine in in spring. Um, And if you go longer than that, a little bit what's happened with the Big Bash, um, I think that people just get a little bit worn out from it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, sometimes you've got to be careful for what you wish for. Gareth, good Correct. to talk to you, mate. We'll talk again good soon. Good on you, Matty. See you, mate. Thanks for that. Gareth Hall there. You can catch his work uh, on SEN Tracks, so covering a fair bit of ground. Uh, one for 12 is the score between Australia and Pakistan. So Darcy Brown, the wicket taker. Kim Garth has bowled her first over in Australian colours in an ODI match. Uh, five runs off it, so... One for 12 is the score. Uh, Iga Sviantek is on court on Rod Laver Arena and she leads one love on serve so early on. Obviously, Camilla Osorio is her opponent. Now, because of the rain, there'll be no play on the outside courts until at least 12 o'clock Eastern Daylight Saving Time, so 40 minutes away. Rod Laver, Margaret Court, John Kane Arena will continue as planned. So, as we thought, rain will be interrupting uh, the first half of day three. At the very least, for the outside courts, we'll keep you up to date with all of that. It's 22 and a half minutes past 11 for our Sydney listeners, 22 and a half after 10 for our Queensland listeners. All righty, some text messages before we get to the next news break with Vanessa. Matty, just on Tommy Berry, says Matt... I'm sick of hearing about what a great bloke he is. Fact is, he took a sling for what we don't know and the money was paid to his mother. Then the guy pleads innocent. I bet on Sydney racing every week. I don't care if the jockeys are good blokes. I just want transparency, says Matt. Thank you for that. Uh, the reptiles got a bit of it. You, mate, you've got a bit of an issue with me this morning, which is fair enough. Um, but you've said that I won't read this text. Well, let's read it. The only person that keeps mentioning strike is you, Matt. It's you. Let it go. You've cut up audio this morning in some poor journalism in favour of the players. Leave your agenda out of it. Reptile, we are not on the same page to start 2023. We're way, way, way off it. We're kind of like uh, in the negotiation room here at the moment. Believe me, first and foremost, there's no agenda. I don't operate in agenda worlds. So let's take that off the table straight up. No agenda, right? I can't say it any clearer. In terms of the audio that I played earlier this morning, it was Sharks Captain Wade Graham and his interview on SEN Breakfast, which you listened to, which is good, um, between Wade and Julian King and Michael Carianis. And I played three pieces of audio about the sticking points between the RLPA and the NRL. Um, I asked, I played the audio about if strike action was a consideration, if the start of the comp could be under threat. These are questions that were asked. And also about when he was asked about the relationship between the players and the NRL was as bad as he's ever seen. So that was no agenda driven there. I didn't play um, the part that you were saying because I didn't play a whole interview. There's no agenda in favour of the players here. And in actual fact, what I was saying in regards to strike action and the possibility of it is that that's the end of the road for these guys. That's the one thing that they've got. And the issue that they're trying to get across by virtue of those three pieces of audio that I played this morning is actually a little bit confusing. It's a bit wishy-washy.
So there's no player agenda here. And as far as the only person that keeps mentioning the strike is me or a strike, page 70 of the Daily Telly. Headline, strike threat in pay dispute. Article by Travis Mayne. The NRL's pay dispute has exploded. Bronco star Kurt Capewell is refusing to rule out strike action as the players launch promotional boycotts on the eve of the premiership season. There's no agenda, Reptile. It's cool if you think that there's a bit of a... Um, if, if we're not playing the audio that makes it absolutely clear, but I also pointed out if you want to hear the whole thing, go to the podcast and listen to the whole interview with Wade Graham. My point about all of this is that the players need to be absolutely clear what they're standing for and what they're prepared to do. So I don't want to see a strike. I don't have an agenda about a strike and I don't have an agenda about being in favour of the players. It's a bummer we've got off to a bad start here, Reptile, but let's keep it going. If <laughs> let's, let's keep this dialogue, so to speak, as, the, as our collective bargaining agreement, our CBA between me and you, let's get it back at the negotiation table. Yeah, and a score update from Centre Court. Thanks to Bing Lee. Iga Sviontek is making light work of her opponent here in the second round against Camilla Osorio. So it's four love now in the first set. And play has been pushed back again on the outside courts for another hour. So one o'clock uh, Eastern Daylight Saving Time is the start uh, time. Well, at this stage when they're hoping to start action on the outside courts. Uh, one for 19 is the score. Australia v Pakistan. Darcy Brown, the wicket taker there. And as you heard in the news from Vanessa, as I mentioned, um, Kim Garth making her debut, her one-day international debut for Australia after playing for Ireland. She has played T20 matches before as well. And she's uh, bowling her fourth over now. So figures of no wicket for seven runs off 3.4 overs. One for 19 after 6.4 at Allen Border Field. 0457 736 736. Quick call on the open line from Dan from Blacktown who's with us. Hey, g'day Dan. Hey, hey, how are you? All good, thanks. Uh, how, how, where do you sit on these on this delicate situation between players and headquarters in footy? I think, in all honesty, they need to look at who's leading them. I don't think Melendez or Abdo respect Newton, and I think maybe they need a new leader. But you can't do business with someone if you don't like them. Sorry, mate, I, I couldn't hear you properly. So you're saying that you think the RLPA needs a new leader and, and you, you're not convinced that Clint Newton's doing the job that he needs to do? Exactly. Okay. I think if you go into a meeting, um, sorry, I'm just in the middle. That's all right. <laughs> um, if, you go, if you go into a meeting and both sides of the party aren't on the level pegging, okay. it's going to not. It's very hard to do business. And I think maybe the problem, the elephant in the room, is Quint Newton. Mm. If, well, if they have someone else leading them, uh, everyone says change Volandis or change Abdos. Maybe the RLPA need a new leader. Well, there's definitely no trust in the room, is there? I mean, if, if they're saying that we're not being listened to in the negotiations and uh, what, they're, what they're talking about in the negotiations are not what is then being trans, trans laid out to, uh, out to the media and to the public, then there's definitely no trust. There's some sort of disconnect in the room. I, I don't know who you, who you point the finger at, but you're, you're pointing it at the RLPA and... I don't know. Do they need a mediator in the middle, as as one of our previous callers said? Maybe that's where they need to go. Yeah, I just think Clint comes off as a bit arrogant. And the land is, as we all know, 
is headstrong and a bit arrogant as well. Um, and I just don't think they can do business together. I just don't. I just genuinely think they don't like each other. <laughs> All right. Good on you, Dan. Appreciate that, mate. I'll let you get back to it. It sounds like you've got a busy household going there. Uh, Dan saying that perhaps uh, they need to have a look at who's in the middle, who's at the table there. Rooster Man, I'm with the Reptile. These Pelicans need to understand someone like me that lost a job for two, two years due to COVID um, in 2020. Get up, pull your socks up and play footy. The CBA, it's a sham. Um, let these men with their contracts play. And how about a women's RLPA without Clint or a rep that represents upcoming talent? Uh, thank you for that, Rooster Man. Uh, I was in your situation, mate. Exactly the same thing, thanks to COVID. So, you know, it, it's not... It, it's down to the nitty-gritty on this one. That That's where it's at. It's down to the detail that they're trying to push. And let's not forget that the reason why we're talking about this is that the players have decided to take action and start this action collectively and push that out publicly. So that's the reason why this is a debate at the moment. Not because we sit here in a studio and go, oh, let's talk about a strike. That's rubbish. This is action that has been started by the players. At the moment, it's at the level where they've decided together to collectively refuse to do media for the NRL. That's where it's at at the moment. So you've got Players telling headquarters we're not going to play the game that you want us to play in promoting the preseason and therefore the season ahead. So that's where it's come from. It hasn't been designed in anybody's mind or agenda. This is where it's coming from. The players are doing this. And the leading player representatives are those who are talking about it publicly. Wade Graham this morning. Kurt Capewell, as we played you from yesterday as well. Christian Welsh has had his say. So this is the story that we're following. Where it ends, don't know. But there's a fair bit to come out in between. But it's very, very clear, and we're not there, so we don't know, but it's clear that there's a disconnect at the table. How they put that plug back in together, who knows? Uh, 0457736736, another one. The RLPA needs a new leader. Uh, Kui Chairman Reptile, settle down. (laughs) says Hillstorm Hillary. Morning, Matty is a fair bloke and airs both sides of the stories. Um, SEN is one of the most furious media outlets you can listen to. As for Clint, could be time for an attitude and person change. Love your show, Matt. Thank you. Um, cheers and morning, cuppers, Hillstorm Hillary. Thank you for that. Oh, i got no dramas. No dramas at all. Reptile, you go for your life. Fire away. But I won't ever sit here and tell you that I've got an agenda when I don't. In fact, I don't take to that likely. There are no agendas here. I say it like it is. Sometimes I'll get it right. Sometimes I'll get it wrong. But there will definitely be no agendas being driven from here. And we can go back and forth on that all day. But I do value the input. So we don't need to, you know, create a hashtag out of it. Let's just move on. Play on, folks. Tommy. Morning, Matty. Morning, listeners. I've got an agenda. Oh, oh. What was that? That was his transaction beep. Oh, that was... <laughs> Sounds like I'm in hospital... <laughs> Line on my deathbed, Mark. Okay. Jesus. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We need to, we need to go. We need to go back a bit. So normally you've got your your two cents. Right. I tried to take it forward to 2023 because you've never used cash in your life, and I thought, wouldn't it be good if we had the old square reader, the old beep? But, but play it again. That's not. That's a. That's a hospital yeah. thing. Yeah. If I you pl- have a lot of time to play it a few oh, times okay. over, and then we'll get the. 
And again. And again. Yeah, call for the IV. Nurse. Or don't mention IV. Brings back memories. Oh, Me and Bali true. last yeah, week. Yeah. No, thank you. You know what? That again. <laughs> I've got an agenda, Maddie. Oh, you do? Yeah, I've got an agenda. You might not want to have one. I've got one. Dominic Young, don't sign with the Rabbitohs. Mm. Don't do it, mate. You know, living in Newcastle, a lot of beaches there. Get to play with Caelan Ponga, Jackson Hastings. Just what's, why, why what's do you want to play for the Rabbitohs? Why do you want to play for the Rabbitohs? Clearly, your, your agendas. I mean, the good thing about nah, your agenda fun. is it's that it's been, it's been there well and truly. I mean... The day that you stop wearing your Roosters jersey into into footy into uh, into the station, then we'll know that. The I think that was the first time I've mentioned the Roosters this year on on the station. No, I don't it took, think so. Only took me three days. No, I don't think so. I think you threw it out there. Hey, somewhere. do you want to talk about actually on field footy? Yes. I, even though I would love to be a fly on the wall between Clint Newton and Peter Volandis and Andrew, Andrew Abdo in their next meeting. Um, so you mentioned the Dragons, and this was broken this morning because Michael Carianis uh, broke the news about Jaden Sullivan. Um, he's going to be out for upwards of at least six, six weeks with a hamstring tear. They're already in dire straits because Junior Ramon is set to face court today um, for a separate charge. Um, so he's indefin- indefinitely out. So they're already already struggling in terms of their depth. You look at some of the predicted teams. They've got Moses Mbai there at six. Uh, Jacob Little, he's a new signing there at, at, at in the hooker position. Matty, uh, this might... I might go on a limb here, but I do like the Dragons for for the wooden spoon spot for 2023. I like them for the wooden spoon spot for 2023. Didn't you have the Dolphins? No, no. I I didn't have the Dolphins for for the spoon. Okay. I think the Dolphins – I think the Dolphins will – I said last year the Dolphins won't come – won't finish bottom four. They will not finish bottom four. You can clip this up, Mark. January 18th, 2023, the Dolphins (laughs) will not finish bottom four this NRL season. And I think the Dragons, I think the Dragons are a bottom two team this year. I, and I think they're they're gunning for the wooden spoon. Ben Hunt has to go to an even greater level, which and he's what thirty three, thirty four than he did in twenty twenty two to try and lead this team out of it. I do not like the look of their team whatsoever. Um, their backline. What are they going to do with Tyrell Sloan, Cody Ramsey at the back? Their forward pack, Jack Bird, Jane Seward, Jack DeBellin, I think a lot of them go missing at times. And their bench, their predicted benches, you've got Aaron Woods, Ben Murdoch, Masilla, Tyrell Fulmeano, and Josh Kerr. Not a lot of hope, not a lot of promise there. And Anthony Griffin, well, he's been on the chopping block for the last two years, and mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone mid-season. I think the Dragons are. If you want a little, if you want a little value bet there, I'd go Dragons for... For the spoon, gamble responsibly. Was it Ben Hunt who said that hooks in the line if they don't get a good start in the first six weeks? Yep. Yeah, it, it was, was, wasn't it? Yep. Oh, well, we'll see how that one plays out. Hey, uh, a little bit of a breakthrough here on centre court. So Camilla Osorio has um, finally got on the board. So 5-1, she's won her first uh, game of this first set against Igor Sviontek. So 5-1, Sviontek leads at the moment. And she'll be serving for the set outside on Margaret Court Arena or next door on Margaret Court Arena under undercover. Diana Schneider, uh, who's a qualifier, is on the verge of taking the first set away from the sixth seed, Maria Sakkari, the um, Greek player. So 5-2 at the moment. And another game will wrap up the first set there for the qualifier, Diana Schneider. Don't know a lot about her. And play continues to be delayed on the outside courts. Igor Fiontek, it'd take a monumental upset for her not to win the tournament, no? Correct. Well, when we were looking yesterday at the betting numbers, 
and gamble responsibly is, uh, and we were trying to work out what was going on with uh, Novak. Novak, Novak Djokovic. What surprised me was that Igish Fiontech was $3.30 um, to win. But I think, and she, and she was a favourite because I think it's so, the last 10 years has been, you know, pick a random name out of the hat when it comes to women's Grand Slam tennis. Anyone can win it on their day, really. $2.88. She's... There you go. That's great odds Still great. for the fa- for the number one seed and the favourite. That's the thing with women's tennis the last ten years. I sent a little multi to my friends yesterday. Yeah, uh, Novak into Sviontek, and that got me six dollars twenty with a power play for the two number one seeds. And my friend said, "Novak, love it. Not touching women's tennis. It is so unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen." Mm. I'm backing in Sviontek the whole way here. Uh, Novak's a dollar eighty at the moment, and no sign of suspensions, as in. Markets being suspended, so we're good He'll to win go it. back after this. Uh, this is pretty interesting. What's happening on Rod Laver Arena here between Igish Fiontek and Camilla Osorio? So, um, Osorio got her first game of this first set. She was down five love, and then fought it back to five one. Then got another one. So she broke in the last match and dead set uh, celebrated like she won the tournament. <laughs> but now she's well and truly back into it. So she's serving. Um, to stay in the set. Her right leg is heavily taped, and I mean heavily taped. Um, and she was just about to serve here and then ended off ended up walking over as though she was going to go and sit down and then say, oh, no, turn around and walk back again. So it's a little bit of confusion, but um, they are in the thick of it here in the first set, but Sviontek is now just a couple of points away from taking that first set. 0457 736 736, those score updates at the Australian Open Thanks to Bing Lee. And don't forget, you can listen to AO Radio on the SEN app. And Brett Phillips keeping us across everything for the next three hours. Well, in 10 minutes' time, Phil Pryor will be in charge. Are you ready to stick up the Dukes, get fighting, get down and get down and dirty with our listeners? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we're trying to work Bring out which, which side of the debate you're on if there is player action down the line for, uh, you know, NRL v RLPA. Mm, mm. The players have every right to fight for their rights, don't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some fresh perspective coming in from the, you know, the uh, some of the listeners out there that are on site and, and what have you and, and doing the tough stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, these NRL players, they've got every right to, um, you know, to fight for what they believe in as well, don't they? Negotiations are just to punish, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're just a headache either way. It doesn't matter which side you're on. By the way, three set points here. For Sviontek. Um, Let's go, Iga. To close it out. Let's go. And Come on. she goes. So she's taken the first six games to two. It's going to be delayed down there. So things have been pushed back for at least another hour because of the bad weather. Um, but the Margaret Court Arena, John Kane Arena, and RLA, obviously, with the roof closed, Good to go. Is this some karma for, for Melbourne trying to stick it to <laughs> Sydney? Well, on that, I got a text here saying, Matty, after listening to Jared Waitley whinge about Sydney weather for four <laughs> days during the test, it's now payback time. Aussie Open, both heat and rain delays, 22 matches behind, rain again today. I think it's time to move the tournament to Sydney. <laughs> I Yeah, I totally agree. We've got a, we've got a, a great facility up at Homebush, Ken Rosewall Arena. Uh, let's Let's make it happen. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, but look, there's going to be a rain delay today, but it should back away by the end of the day, and they'll catch up pretty quickly about that. What's coming up on your show, mate? 
Mate, yeah, plenty going on. We've got a few good guests. Uh, Nathan McAndrew from the Sydney Thunder, ahead of their big one against the Renegades. So they're all uh, either in Canberra already or heading down uh, now. They're, they're all uh, making the trip down ahead of that one. And the the tough thing for the Thunder is they need to win tomorrow. They need to beat the Renegades to stay in this uh, in this fight. But then they've also got a massive game against the Sixers yeah. back here on Saturday night. So... How do you remain focused? The big one, exactly. Have a good show, mate. Thanks, mate. A quick Bing Lee uh, score update from the Australian Open before I leave you, and then Phil Pryor will keep you uh, updated with everything that is going on. So into the first game in the second set now between Sviantec and Azorio, and Sviantec winning that first set 6-2. Over on Margaret Court Arena, um, Maria Sicari looks as though she's about to drop that first set to Diana Schneider. So... 5-3 Schneider, the qualifier, leads at the moment. And, yes, she's taken it now. So she's taken the first set 6-3. That's a bit of an upset. Well, a big upset qualifier against the number six seed. So 6-3, she's taken that first set. Another wicket's fallen in the one day at Allen Border Field. Australia have broken through yet again. Ashnick Gardner with the wicket, and it was a catch by Elise Perry. So Pakistan 2 for 43 after 12.5 overs. There you go. We've had another busy day. Uh, Make sure you come back and join the conversation again tomorrow. Who knows where that's going to take us. But thanks for your company today. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Bye for now.